0: I got a fan club letter from a favorite band
1: Says they do it everything they can to make it Yeah, I know they're gonna be number one Hello, I'm Sean. He's Craig. We are Number One Fan Club. A podcast devoted to power pop, Brit pop, shoegaze, anything with that jangle and hook. For those returning, welcome back. For all you newcomers, sit back and enjoy. All right, number one fan club, back for part three of Big Star. Part one, we took number one record, we dissected it, we went song by song, and we went part two in the second podcast of the series, and we took the second album, Radio City. Jumped into that, went song by song, and we came to the same conclusion, Craig, that they are both absolute classic albums, and it really put Big Star on the all-time map for great rock and roll bands but also really installed Big Star as the top of the pyramid for power pop music and really the the beginning and the kings of power pop music.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, those two albums alone, really, anybody that seems to have listened to it was affected by it. And it's the imprint of a multitude of bands that we love that are not only in this genre, just in rock and roll, period. So yeah, they've definitely put their stamp on rock and roll, and it's, it, it's really a result from those first two albums. So now we're going to
1: pivot to, now that we're in part three, to the third album, and then the the rest of the big star and the big star family. So with this album known alternately as Third, as well as Sister Lovers, and the story goes, because at this point, Chris Bell has already you know, left the band prior to Radio City. And then after Radio City and its commercial failure, Andy Hummel, the bass player, left to go back to college. I mean, you're looking at that's where we were with the band at this point, is they're so young and their future is so undecided that the bass player just says, you know what, I'm done. I'm going back to college. So now Alex and Jody are left with this thing. And so Radio City was recorded in 1973, released in 74, and in late 1974. Alex and Jody jumped back in the studio to start recording other songs. And actually it, it almost really wasn't a big star album. It was really more of a vehicle for probably an Alex Chilton solo album. And even on some of the documents around the recordings of it, it's actually referred to as sister lovers, which might've been maybe the new project they were going to do. That was going to be completely unassociated with the name big star. So. They were both dating sisters, which is why they called it Sister Lovers. And really, this album, it's Alex, it's Jody, and then a revolving group of musicians, including Steve Cropper. The legendary guitarist actually played on one of the tracks. He played on their cover of Velvet Underground's Femme Fatale. So it really feels like even when you listen to it, it doesn't really sound like the first two big star records. It actually sounds a lot more like Alex Chilton's solo work. So I tend to agree with the the idea that it was not really going to be a big star record, but it was recorded in late 74. And then it sat on the shelf for a number of reasons. the The lack of, actually, I think the record company looked at it and said it's not really commercially viable. And also with just financial issues and other things, they shelved the album and it didn't get Released until 1978, so basically four years later, when people started I guess the first part of the interest in Big Star cult band, and it was actually of all places released in the UK, and then since it's really taken on a life of its own, and it's now praised as a classic five star album. And Craig, I got to say, for me, and we'll jump into just we're not going to go song by song, but we'll talk a little more of the album, but. It's not my favorite. Of of the three albums, it's my least favorite by far. And I know Peter Buck, who knows a lot more about music than me, loves it. Rolling Stone, all music, all these places give it five stars, even rank it higher in some cases
0: than the first two albums. I'm not there. No, and I'm not either. I will firmly admit I love this album, but in small doses. It's a very melancholic album. Uh, It's well done. It's very creative. Uh, I think it's probably the most creative thing that they've put out. And I think that's where the critical acclaim comes from. But make no doubt, it feels like an Alex Shilton solo album. It just does. And when I think of Big Star, I don't think about this particular album. I think about number one record in Radio City. So I, I do have highlights I'd like to go through for me personally. I don't know if you have a list of songs that that you're partial to. I've got several that I'd like to reference I'll say this. So, Like you said, it was released in March of 1978. The edition I always listened to was the Rico edition they put out on CD in 1992, which apparently was the version created by Jim Dickinson that was supposed to reflect what the band originally intended. If you look at some of the releases on vinyl, they're very different. The layout's different. The song selections are different. Some songs are omitted, some are not. But uh, so I'm going off the Ryko edition. And so I'm going to go through my top five songs very quickly. Kiss of Me is a killer opener. Love it. Very unique. They know how to open an album. Thank You Friends is probably the closest thing to matching what I would consider their signature sound. Just a little bit quirkier. Great song. Jesus Christ is amazing. Uh, Great track. More laid back, kind of lo-fi version, but still a bit trademark big star. Kangaroo. Is stunning. Maybe my favorite of the entire album. Such a creative meld of sounds. For You is a stellar song. I love that they included it with the album because it's Jody Stevens' written song. So glad he has a contribution here. I just love him. Um, And then a couple of other bonuses for me that were bonus tracks were Nighttime is a lovely track, really haunting, and Take Care is just this eccentric collision of sounds. Very well done, albeit a bit obtuse. And so my recap of this album is it's just a bit disjointed. And that's why I can't put it up there as one of my favorite albums, because it's just really hard to follow a flow. It just, it seems to meander in and out. I get the critical acclaim, but if somebody were to say, Hey, what do you think epitomizes Big Star? This would not be it. Yeah. One of the
1: reasons and critics love this album is, you know, they use phrases like emotional and gut-wrenching and heartbreaking it's really a record of an artist bearing his soul and at times you feel that you hear it and it's almost a little painful so to speak to watch or to listen to and maybe that's one reason it's if it were another band and i was listening to this album judging it away from the first two albums i think i'd like it even more that makes sense but for me just not after the first two albums just not It doesn't do it for me. I I love the first two albums so much as we've talked about before. There are great moments on here, and I'm right down the line with you. More of a top three for me, and it's a pretty simple top three, but I absolutely love Thank You Friends. I think Thank You Friends, what you said a minute ago, it could have been on either of the first two albums, especially Radio City. I think it would have fit well on Radio City. And who, who knows? I don't know the background on that song. It might have even been written at the time of the recording of radio city and just didn't get included. I love that song. Kiss me is really quirky, but it still works because it's quirky, but it still has that pop draw to it that I love so much about big star. So it does combine the quirkiness that you would hear later from Alex and even on, on this third album, but still has enough of that funky quirk, uh, pop feel to it to, to draw me in. And then The song "Jesus Christ," which is a really beautiful, happy, uplifting song. I know it's been covered a couple of times. REM actually covered it on one of their fan club, their annual fan club releases. They did. I actually own a copy of it. Then they do a really good version. Uh, There was another band who even included it on a Christmas album that they did. It was the Monkees. Monkees, I believe, did it on a Christmas album. I really love that song. So those are my three favorites. Again, not. Overall for me, not an album I go to a lot. I listen to it sometimes, especially when I'm in a big star mood. I feel like, okay, I've listened to the first two albums. I I need to listen to this in order, so I'll pull it out and listen to it. But I never feel the same about this that I do the first two. So, Craig, let's move on then talking a little bit more about about Big Star. They didn't release another album for a very long time. Uh, Alex goes on to do a bunch of solo stuff and projects. Of course, we'll talk a little bit more about Chris Bell in a minute. But in 2005, Alex and Jody get back together and they go get, man, I mean, if you're going to go get two guys to join Big Star, why not go get the guys from the Posies? So they get John Auer and Ken Stringfellow and they release an album in 2005 called In Space. And I'm going to be honest, I haven't listened to the album in a long time. It didn't strike me at the time as an album that i absolutely loved and i really really need to go back and and give it another shot because i love all four of the guys in the band and i really need to go back and check it out one more time i know critics weren't even crazy about it but forget that i don't agree with critics most of the time anyway but it just didn't blow me away there's nothing that i remember going oh man i gotta go listen back to this song again what about you craig
0: Having that lineup for me is almost too good to be true. And so when I found out about it, my expectations were through the roof for In Space, And so I got to admit, when I first listened to it, I was just disappointed because it wasn't cohesive. It didn't... Have the flow I was a- accustomed to hearing. It doesn't have to all sound the same. That's not my take. My take is just more the songwriting wasn't that good. It wasn't great. There are moments. There are moments. There's some tracks in the middle of that album that are absolute gems, like "Best Chance" and "Turn Back the Sun." February's Quiet are all great songs, uh, but they really still feel like or second level Posey songs to me. I feel like I get more of John Hour and Ken Stringfellow on this album than I do. Chilton, and I feel like in some ways that hampers them because this is more of a Chilton project, right? They are obviously working with a power pop pioneer. And so having that there, I think in some ways hampers them a bit. It is not a bad album. It's a a good album. I just think with their pedigree, with all of their pedigree, it's just a little lacking in my opinion, but still a a good album to listen to on occasion. It's a good testimony. And I mean, it's not uh, by any means a bad album, so...
1: All right, let's talk a little bit about the live albums and then we'll we'll shift over to Chilton solo, Chris Bell solo, and then Jody. But the live albums, I I actually own, I just recently bought Live in Memphis. I think it was released in 2014. It's on Omnivore Records. I bought it actually from Newberry Comics website. I got the Red Vinyl edition, and I'm really excited to dig in and listen to it uh listened to a couple tracks on it but the album that really stands out for me and it was it was actually given a, as a recommendation to me by a guy who knows music really well said go check out a recording called Nobody Can Dance and i think it was only released at the time maybe on cd back in the late 90s but it's a 70s recording of them live and it actually I, at some point in the recording someone makes an announcement Hey, nobody can dance, and that's why they came up with the title "Nobody Can Dance" because it was, to my understanding, uh, recorded somewhere in the deep south, maybe in Memphis, and really, you know, public dancing as weird as that seems at the time, that was the announcement made uh, over the uh, the PA was "Nobody Can Dance." But the recording, oh, the songs that to me, it's the best version I've heard of big star live at their peak. So I really like that. You can only the only place i know to find it and the only place i've listened to it is on itunes i don't have a physical copy of it but for anyone that loves big star check out nobody can dance because it might be the best representation of them as a live band
0: yeah i don't know a whole lot about their live recordings i owned one uh in the 90s called live and it was just a trio it was jody stevens alex Chilton. And you'll have to excuse me, it wasn't Andy Hummel uh, and Chris Bell was not a part of that lineup, I don't think, at the time. So, And it was pretty good, but I, I rarely listen to it. But I'll admit, I am not a live recording guy. My, my thing with live recordings is if I was there... And it has relevance to me, then yeah, there are exceptions. There are definitely exceptions. So, the live in Memphis is pretty good. I have sampled that recently just as a going back into the archives and just being nostalgic for Big Star in general. And I could say I would have loved to have been there to witness the performance, but I'll admit, live recordings for me are always uh, kind of things I overlook because it's just not my thing.
1: Well, and a lot of live recordings, they're sterile. You don't really know how much back into the studio and fix things and all that. And I'm like you, I just, if I'm there, that's the best part is being there live and seeing it. But otherwise, I'd, I like the studio recordings better. All right. So, Alex Chilton, solo years. Craig, this is going to be really fast for me. I just am not a fan. And maybe listeners over time can make recommendations on. Great songs or an album that m- I might have missed. I've sampled a lot of Alex Chilton solo, and I really, really want to love it, and I just I can't. And I've got I've got an Orc Records compilation where he did a couple of tracks on, and I've listened to that. I've listened to I've got, I own the very, very best of Alex Chilton. I think it was on Rhino Records. I just it doesn't blow me away. It, it gets he he went from the box tops being you know part of this sort of young. Soul type band being the front man, having a real soulful voice, southern, deep southern soul to big star those first two classic albums, more power pop. And then when he shifts to the third album and even into his career, it gets a lot more weird. And I don't know if avant garde is the right word, but it just nothing really grabs me much of the Alex Chilton solo years. And I really want it to, but I just haven't been there yet.
0: I think avant-garde's not... I think that's actually accurate at some points. I definitely think it's definitely more morose and somber and just melancholic. And I like melancholic music. I just go back to songwriting and I just... None of the stuff really grabbed me. I only owned it because I was such a rabid big star fan that I was a completist. But every time I would go to listen to a Chilton album... I'd stop after two a couple of songs or midway through the albums because it just didn't grab me. Um so I'm right there with you. I, I hate to say it at this, at this this is the portion where I kind of a little tune out, but Alex Chilton's solo career was I, I don't want to call it disappointing because I don't want to say anything about an artist that's that creative and and that he is a great songwriter. He just started to write in a manner that I couldn't connect with if that makes sense. So
1: yeah, then we shift over to Chris Bell unfortunately because Sadly, tragically, he died way too early in a car accident in the late 70s. I don't even think he was 30 years old. I think he might have been 28, 29 years old. And he did not get to realize his full potential. I mean, really, the only thing that he recorded in his lifetime that was released was number one record. He wasn't on Radio City, although I still feel like he loomed large in the background of of a lot of those songs. but. Number one record is pretty much it, except for a 45 that he did, which is included. That's uh, You and Your Sister. And then I think the flip side might have been I Am The Cosmos. But then after his untimely passing, they did release the album I Am The Cosmos, which feels a lot. A lot of it is probably unfinished. There's some really good moments on the album. I like the title track, I Am The Cosmos. And I feel like that probably would have been a better record had he had more time with it. Perhaps the guy was so talented and it was just a matter of time before he was going to make some great records again. But it always draws me back to, gosh, I would have loved to have seen Alex and Chris continue forward together as a duo because they had something together right out of the gate. Um, So I like, I am the cosmos. It does feel at times more like demos to me than a fully realized album, but still a good recording.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's pieced together for sure. I mean, it's not a full album. It's not something he would have, I guess, envisioned or he would have pieced together. Who knows, maybe, but the elements are all there and that's what I love about it. It It, it is scattered. It is definitely a scattered affair. It's eclectic, um, but even from a demo type quality on some of the songs, it still seems like he's on to something. And, that, and that's what I love about it. So every time I listen to it, I get something a little bit different. There are moments like, the, of course, the title track, I Am the Cosmos, is just great. You and Your Sister is fantastic. Some of the best lyrics, very heartfelt. I love uh, Better Save Yourself. I think that's a great song. And Speed of Sound. Love, love, love that song. So I, you know, I don't put it up there with the big star albums, the first two big star albums. Uh, but it's a close third for me. It really is. It's a, it's a really uh, good testimony of him as a songwriter. And I'm like you, I would have loved to have seen them continue because they had that it factor. It's hard to say the Lennon-McCartney thing because that's that's almost unattainable, but it, they were pretty close. But I do think this is a really good album. And I'm like you, I would be very curious to see what it would have been like, what this would have sounded like had he been a part of the entire process.
1: Agreed. Yeah. And who knows, it, you know, th- no one's going to ever achieve Lennon-McCartney, both commercially and artistically, critically. It's probably never anything that's ever going to come close to matching that partnership. You know, Jagger-Richards is a pretty good one, but I'll still put Lennon-McCartney first. But it would have been really interesting to hear what Chilton Bell could have done in the future. But, you know, from there, if we fast forward the legacy of big star is it, it's hard to even really put into words. And we've talked about it already in the last two podcasts in this series, but the legacy is incredible. It lives on and will live on forever and continue to influence bands directly, indirectly. But now we're faced with, there's only one surviving member even left of the original band on that album. They had Chris Bell pass at an untimely early age, Alex Chilton has passed, Andy Hummel has passed, and now Jody Stevens has left. And he has really, you know, he, he's continued to work at Ardent Records. I think At one point, he was even the CEO of Ardent. And Craig, you recently have been listening to, and we're going to cover this on a quick play in a separate podcast, but he's got a, an exciting new band and album. I say new, but we're going to talk about that more in depth on our next podcast.
0: Yeah, I tell you, this is where I get exciting because uh, to me, this is this is what I love about what we're doing too, because we we go into the archive and we feature bands like Big Star, but there's so much after that. This is just probably an indictment of how much I overlooked Jody Stevens all these years. It really is. When I discovered Those Pretty Wrongs, which is his newest project, I was floored because it is trademark. Big Star. It really is the harmonies. Everything's there. It is Jody Stevens with Luther Russell, who Luther is just a fantastic, fantastic singer, songwriter. And they have that connection. They really do. I'm not saying it's Big Star, but it is beautifully done. Uh, Like you said, we're going to talk about their latest album on our next quick play, uh, hopefully this week. All right. So we're going to wrap up here, but
1: I am now, this is not scripted. I'm putting you on the spot. Top five big star songs all time. Craig, you didn't know I was going to go here, but I'm going to put you on the spot. I'll go first because I did cheat and I have mine written down. It's going to be really tough. And it was really tough for me. But top five big star songs all time for me. At number five would be Don't Lie to Me. I love it. It's a rocker. It's sloppy in all the right places, but love that song. Number four, Get What You Deserve. The guitar alone in that song just. Reels me in every time. Number three, thank you, friends, that we talked about just a minute ago. Just I love the feel of that song. It sounds so just cool and laid back. Uh, Number two, was it originally on my top five, but September Girls? if For no other reason, the impact that I know that that song has had on Power Pop, because when I listen to it now, I know for a fact that is the blueprint song for what became Power Pop. And I love that song. I love the chorus. And then number one for me, I'm going to go really, really by the book, because it's probably a lot of people's favorite song by Big Star, is In the Streets. I usually don't have, my favorite song of a band usually isn't the one that's everybody else's favorite. But in this case, it is. I just can't avoid the fact that it is such a perfect song for the time that it was recorded, the feeling of it. It's so infectious, and that's why it was included as a part of that 70s show. And for me, In the Streets is the best song of all time for me for Big Star. How about you, Craig?
0: Well, these are in no particular order, uh, and I'm going to freeform this because this could change. Uh, and definitely up there is I'm in love with a girl. I just think that's a gorgeous, gorgeous song. It's another way to end an album, and it was ended perfectly for Radio City. I would say definitely Back of a Car. I just think that is trademark big star in every way. I love, love, love that song. Then we got to go to number one record. I think Feel, I've said this before, I think it might be one of my favorite, if not my favorite opening track of all time. So that has to be in there. I got to go with Watch the Sunrise. I mean, come on, that is just so beautifully written. Anytime I want, I need my spirits lifted. I listen to that. And I'm with you. I'm right there with you. I think In the Street to me is one of the most unique songs. It sounds like of the time, but it doesn't sound dated. It just has relevance no matter when you play it. It's just a great track. So in no particular order, those would be my top five.
1: I love it because yours are really different than mine other than the last song. So we just rattled off basically 10 great songs. And the the other four that you mentioned that weren't in my top five, all of them would, were in consideration. Uh, you can't go wrong. I mean, and in the streets, I, yeah, I read this recently that that song, it it almost has a feel of innocence to it of the time, early seventies, but at the same time, it would have luckily, I guess in a way, luckily they didn't have enough exposure for it to get on the radar to be on the radio. Cause they would have had to take it out the line about, I wish we had a joint so bad. <laughs> Cause it wouldn't have worked in radio and. 1972 but that song should have been a top number one record craig with that we're it's a wrap we've now gone through three parts on big star the band that really kicked off power pop music and we're going to go next to raspberries the band out of cleveland ohio that really is criminally ignored these days A lot of people know about them that are in the know, but a lot of people have no idea who they are. And I'm excited to talk about Raspberries next.
0: Yeah, me too. I'll be completely honest here. I've kind of overlooked them, but in doing my research and then listening to those first four albums... Why? It makes no sense that I would not. This should have been in my collection since day one. So I'm really excited about it because this is kind of a bit of an introduction. I'm going to do a, a mad deep dive to, to acclimate myself with their catalog, but I'm very excited.
1: Yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be a lot of fun. We, and we'll do that in one part. Uh, unlike the big star that we split up, we will cover all four of those albums at once. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Craig, this was great. I really love talking about Big Star and looking forward to getting feedback from listeners. And with that, we are we are out.
0: Thank you so much for listening. Take care.